Hello, Tri-Deltas, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Tri-Delta. I'm Karen White, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as Tri-Delta's Chief Executive Officer. I also have the amazing honor of interviewing some of our amazing sisters and bringing you their stories right here on the podcast. And today is no different. We have an amazing guest, Caroline Cook from Vanderbilt, who's with us today. Caroline is a real estate agent, a writer, a teacher, and a speaker. She's passionate about spreading truth and love to a wide audience. And she's got a new book. It's called Hungry. And in it, Caroline offers a message of hope by sharing her own recovery story of how she found freedom from an eating disorder. February marks National Eating Disorders Awareness Month. It's a crucial time to shed light on the significance of understanding and supporting individuals who are suffering with disordered eating. And there's so much more to Caroline and her story. So we're going to delve into all of it right now. So much to uncover and discuss. Caroline, hello and welcome to the podcast. Hello and thank you for having me. This is such a treat, Karen. Well, we're thrilled to get to know you a little better and to learn more about your book. So Hungry, um, as we've discussed, has been a long time in the making since college, right? Yes. 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 This book that I had a dream about writing once I got into recovery, but yes, definitely even in college, there's a lot about that in this book. All right. Well, take us back, if you will, to the start, maybe um, share your journey, you know, the journey that led you to write the book. Um, and maybe there's a part of this story about being crowned homecoming queen on the football field. So this story starts right before my senior year in high school. I was entering into the new world of where I'm going to college, what I, what I was going to do post-graduation. And it was really scary yeah. I didn't really have the words at the time, but I think I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. And I started to flirt with with restricting my food intake as a way of feeling more in control. The, the homecoming story that you mentioned, um, I you, when I speak to groups of girls, I usually start with this moment where I was on the football field, I was a cheerleader. I was one of the girls that was up for homecoming queen and they announced my name. I get the crown. I get the roses. You imagine it's the best moment of my life. Yes. Inside, I kept hearing these loud, ugly words of you are so fat. You are so fat. Get off the field. You've got to get off the field. Everybody's staring at you. So even though it looked like I was having this perfect moment, it was actually a kind of a nightmarish moment for me that I remember. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, Hey, it's way past me. So now this, I get to say the good stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Now you talk about hungry as a metaphor, right? Do you want to explain that and, and maybe talk about the significance of the book cover? Yeah. So the, well, starting with the book cover, uh, for those who can see this, there's a big fun, happy birthday cake on it that says hungry. So obviously um, this, the topic of eating disorders doesn't sound like it's going to be a really fun topic, right? But really it is a 
celebratory story because I am way in recovery. I've been in recovery for 30 plus years. So from the get go, I certainly want people to know this is going to be a joyous book. This is, it's going to be some, like people say, they laugh, they cry, they smile, they hurt inside when they read it. But at the end, it really is a happy, happy story. I always say to be human is to be hungry. I've got four kiddos. And for those of us who've had children, what do you do the minute they come out? Well, you're feeding, they're crying and you immediately try and get them to eat. Yeah. So, so we are hungry from the get-go, not only for physical food, but we're hungry for purpose. We're hungry for, for love, for connection. There's so many things about us as humans that put us in a state of hunger. I think that's um, incredibly insightful, right? And then sort of paralleling that with, with your journey, um, Uh, of recovery, right? From disordered eating. Now you're on a mission to speak to various groups, starting with Tri-Delta. So we're honored for about that. Um, Absolutely. I would, I would be super sad if it wasn't hardcore Tri-Delta hit. I've got to get to my girls first. (laughs) Love it. So this is about promoting health, wellness, and recovery. Um, And so how do you navigate the topic with groups um, so that the conversation can really be as profound as it is, especially in this day and time. Yeah. I, I usually, when I go and talk to a chapter or sorority or high school, the girls are a little nervous. Yeah. What is this girl's going to come talk about what? Oh my gosh. I don't know if I want to hear it sounds sad. And I just bound in there with a lot of energy, with a lot of <laughs> smiles. I mean, there's nothing about me that's not big and bright. So immediately, I think that the feel is, okay, this is going to be fun. I don't know how this girl is going to talk about this topic with being fun, but it is. And we talk a lot about, I I tell them my story, but we talk a lot about the contagiousness of wellness when it comes to body image and healthy eating and how we live. And we can be actually, we can we can be agents of good or yes. for bad. I know people who have gotten to college and they have actually, their eating disorders have, have, have gotten so much better by other girls around them saying, no, we're not going to do that. Let's all go have lunch. We need to eat, fill our bodies with food. We need that. Or same thing. You could go be around a bunch of girls and realize, oh gosh, they don't feed their, their bodies. They're not using fuel. I guess I don't want to look like the, the fat one in the group or the, the one that's too indulgent, I better not eat lunch today. And so we, it's really powerful. The people we surround ourselves with in this area. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, I, I know, you know, right. That, that Tri-Delta was really courageous. And this is back in the day, um, sort of the first group that recognized that power of group think when it comes to disordered eating and really went out on a limb um, with our reflections program, right. Which has since become body image 3d. Um, but I, you know, I, I look back on that period. I, I didn't work for Tri-Delta at the time, but I recognize we were sort of talking about the elephant in the chapter room. Nobody really wanted to talk about how, yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And it still surprises me how people will say, 
no one's really talking about this. I'm so glad you're talking about it. And I just think, how can you not talk about it? Well, there and you've seen the stats since the pandemic, right? The levels of disordered eating are at an all time high. So I'm grateful you're talking about it. And of course, Tri-Delta has continued to do the same thing. Well, that's such good news. And I'm so proud that Tri-Delta, and doesn't surprise me one bit, that they were one of the first to recognize that and make it a priority. You know, um, I use a number, a statistic that is just so powerful when I speak that according to college campuses, 91% of women admit to controlling their weight through dieting. So you're right. It's, Absolutely. It, eating disorders thrive in, in isolation. So of yeah. course we created, or Corona, I should say, created yeah. this environment where it really did just skyrocket. It absolutely did. Now, now, you know, you're an advocate, you're a speaker, you're an author, but you're also a mom. Um, yes. You've got four kids. You've got three daughters. Yes. Uh, you've got a couple of Tri-Deltas in there, which we love, love, love. Me too. Yeah. Me uh, too. So three daughters though, and, and the three of you, four of you love cooking together, right? So, you know, raising daughters, uh, what did you do, do to ensure that they didn't follow down that path and fall prey to all the, the dangers, right. Of disordered eating. You know, this is usually one of the first questions I get when I go speak to girls, even is they say the minute I finish for Q and a, someone will raise their hand and say, so what did you do differently? I think girls really want to know, tell me how it works. How did, what did you do? And the, you know, the, the, the main thing that I did was make in our family, um, eating dinner together was a real priority. Cooking together is a real priority. Teaching my girls how to cook for themselves once they went to college, what was normal, what wasn't normal. Yeah. Um, we also made it a priority that scales. I, I still have a few triggers in my life. I don't really get on a scale. I don't really need to know those numbers. Right. I don't track all those calories and things people do these days. I, if someone has a watch that does something to figure out metabolic numbers about me, I run the other direction. I don't want to know. <laughs> yes. I don't want to yeah. know. Yeah. But in my house, we're just, we keep, we keep the conversation real positive. I even checked with my kind of a fact check with my girls the other day. I said, didn't, is it true? Cause in my head, it's true that you never, I never really said I felt fat or, or looked fat, fat. And they said, yeah, no mom, you really didn't. Cause first of all, I don't, I feel great. I feel yeah. really good about myself. And so I wanted my girls to feel that way too. And I just didn't want that negative length. You're going to get enough of that in the world. Oh, I wanted our house to be a safe place where they could eat what they wanted to, and uh, we could feel good about feeding our bodies here. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. And, and um, children, young women, girls look to their moms to, you know, as a model for some of that behavior, right? Absolutely. In fact, I, if I'm talking to moms, which I have talked with a lot of moms for over the past 30 years, you know, moms, if you don't want your girls to have an eating disorder, I have something to say to you. Don't have an eating disorder. <laughs> right. it, yes. it, we start the only thing we can't 
we can't control our children, but we can be the best role model that we we can. And so if we are constantly talking about complaining about our bodies or complaining, not looking a certain way, of course, our children are going to feel that and hear that and train themselves into thinking, well, gosh, do I look bad? Should I look a certain way? There's just such an opportunity as moms to um, create a healthy playing field as they grow up. And yeah, parents too. I would, I would say, you know, mom's, parents, caregivers, dads, right? Just this way of of just accepting and loving people for exactly who they are, not the size in their clothing label. Yes. It's certainly a good start if we can do um, that. So tell me about like your take on social media, right? Because, you know, we can love mm-hmm. them and set great examples at home and then they go to social media and I feel like, you know, it's all there. Absolutely. I, there are so many things that have gotten better since I was in high school. For example, you know, you walk into a store and they have a plus size mannequin yeah. or, you know, really healthy looking people, not just Twiggy. So that's great. But I didn't have social media when I was in high school. So to your point, what do I think about social media? I think it can be terrible, terrible in this department. And if you are someone who struggles with an eating disorder, you probably shouldn't be on social media. It's probably too difficult. It really is. I I think, you know, I use social media. I have an Instagram account. I'm trying to grow my platform. I see a lot of good with it. But I think for someone who's really trying to comparing themselves with others, it can be very dangerous and detrimental and and, and probably just not advisable to even, you know, take a break. You, right. They probably, they probably need to know their limits. It's a little social media detox, right? I think yeah. that just that perfect ideal that's out there, um, you know, that, you know, is especially with all of the ways you can alter social media and filter social media, right? Some of it's not even accurate or true. It's kind of an unattainable ideal. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So let's talk about you because there is a fun fact about you that you studied opera and you were actually signed by a record label in Nashville. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, and and I meant to, yeah, I, I had, so yes, I did some operas at Vanderbilt, um, loved singing and really thought I would pursue that and did pursue that after college. I was signed with MCA really as a production deal as a new artist. And it was awesome. It was so fun. I thought for sure I'd be on the road um, within a few years of um, gradu- graduating. But I did meet Wes Cook, my husband. Yes. Um, and, you know, he kind of derailed some of those plans. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and I just couldn't wait to get married and start a family with him and, yeah, I, I, I'm still the uh, best kept secret in town. I'm really, really affordable. I'm usually zero dollars. So usually I, I sing it. for the, the office Christmas party and things like that. <laughs> well, you may hear from Tri-Delta because you never know where we might need you to, you know, belt out Alpha Theta Phi for us. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. So, and you also write children's books. Um, and is it true that your mom is the illustrator of your children's books? She is. Now she was a Kappa, but we'll, we'll let her in. It's okay. She, NPC love. 
right? Yes. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we've got a big old group of, uh, you know, daughter, one daughter was Theta, mom's at Kappa. We represent lots of them. But yeah, mom's a wonderful artist. And we wrote um, these children's books together. We've been selling them for about 10 years and we're actually getting ready to reprint those in hardback and they'll be coming out in the spring. Oh my gosh. How exciting. How yeah. um, so, so then, you know, on top of what you do, um, career wise, you're active in several nonprofit organizations. Um, and you, as I understand it, you chair the antiques and garden show of Nashville, which listeners, that is not a small thing, just so you know. So tell us more about your volunteer work. Well, yes, I am chairing the Nashville Antiques and Garden Show. It'll be in January, and it has absolutely been the biggest thing I've I have done volunteer wise in my volunteer life, and um, it's so awesome. It's one of the best in the country. We're having Ina Garden come be our keynote speaker. Oh, just Ina, just Ina, just Ina. I love and it. She doesn't get out much, so this is really big. So this yeah. is this yeah. Is, it's just, she taught us all how to cook. So we're so excited to see what she has to say. But, um, you know, I love volunteer opportunities because A, I can give back to my beautiful city of Nashville. Um, I love getting to know these people I'm working with. And just what I'm exposed to, the caliber of people that I get to work with from marketing and the PR people and um, just the behind the scenes it's just a real opportunity to get to do it. So I, I was, I was happy to say yes to that job. Well, I know they are grateful for you. Um, Tri-Delta is powered by 3000 volunteers. And I will tell you, we cannot do without a single one of them. And we are extraordinarily grateful to them. So thank you for putting on such a great show in Nashville. And um, yeah. I'm really jealous that you're getting time with that. I love Ina. The Barefoot Contessa. I mean, do I, know, I, love the her. Bear, I mean, she's the best. We're just wondering if Jeffrey's coming. We don't know. We don't know. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be such a treat? Such a treat. Such so a much treat. fun. All right. So so let's talk about Tri-Delta. Okay. Uh, it holds a special place in your family generations. Um, is it right that your great-grandmother was a Tri-Delta? Yes. Can you believe that? In fact, today I was texting with my dad. We think that was about 1916. Oh my gosh. Right? I know. What a stud she must have been. <laughs> Absolutely. She was what at the University of Sarah Shaw, right? She, that be cool? Who knows? She was at University of Missouri and her name was Mary Elizabeth Rawlings. She grew up yeah. in St. Louis. And my second daughter is named after her. And is her, she goes by Raleigh. So yeah. Um, I chaired the Eve of Janice a few years ago here in Nashville. Yeah. yeah. And right before all the girls came on stage, my mom leaned over to me. Her name was Noni. And she said, Noni would be so proud of you. And I really, that was really amazing to think, you know what, she would. I I knew Noni well. She didn't uh, pass away until her 90s. So how cool that I knew my great-grandmother tried out. That is amazing. And then two daughters at Ole Miss. Yes, Two daughters. I've initiated, been to, pinned them both. Um, um, the Tridelt House in Oxford is unbelievable. So amazing. beautiful. Yes. Yes. Their chapter is just something to, so I'm so proud of them. And they are both, they both love being Tridelts there. And um, we've loved getting to know all those girls. So, yeah, it's a big part of our life. 
I love it. And you've now, you've continued uh, connections uh, and communication with your pledge class too. Absolutely. Being here in Nashville gives me the opportunity to go to Vanderbilt homecoming quite a bit, which is so fun. And we just recently went on a trip about 10 of us to Florida from our pledge class. So yeah, we stay a really close close touch. Love that. I mean, you know, what it's hard to, to, to share with collegians is that Tri-Delta really is a lifelong experience and journey. I think it's hard to, to, to know that, um, as a college woman. Um, but you know, from my seat traveling as much as I do on behalf of Tri-Delta, I just see it everywhere, how this, um, permeates your life. It's a part of the fabric of your life. And I, I love that you're enjoying that. Oh, and you know, like we're talking about hungry to be hungry as human, you know, we're hungry for connection from the get go. And that is what sororities do. And what Tridel has done for me is it gave us such a beautiful way to plug in and learn about volunteering, learn about groups of how powerful groups of women can be. Um, So yeah, we're, we will never stop wanting that connection. I don't think. I agree. So, I'm, and for me, I wonder too, um, you know, you've held some really big volunteer leadership roles in Nashville, Eve of Janice and the, the Antiques and Garden Show. Um, can you connect any of that leadership development skills back to being a part of a women's group in college? Was there any translation from one to the other? Absolutely. I think after four years of being really plugged in, which I was at Tridelt, you naturally seek that yeah. after college. Yeah. And especially not being from here, I'm from Austin. And here I was in Nashville starting a family. And um, I wanted to plug in. And the Tridelt chapter here is really wonderful and really involved. And the Eve of Janus has always yeah. been a, a great group of ladies. So that was a real natural fit to, you know, to go there and start cheering things. And I think it was probably my um, role as chairing Eve of Janus that, you know, alerted somebody with the Antiques and Garden Show. Well, she did that, then maybe she'll, maybe she'll do this. <laughs> yes. You know, when they find those that are willing to, you know, do what they do so well and willing to say yes, right. I am sure there are a lot of invitations to step up and lead. Ah, uh, it's been fun. I've, I've, I consider it just a real privilege to get to do it. Well, the world needs more Caroline Cooks. Let me just start there. But so, you know, so more broadly, like what's, what kind of message or advice um, do you have for young adults? And and especially those that might be, you know, in our collegiate world, say 18 to 22, what kinds of things do you share with young women? Well, that's, that is my real passion right now. I wrote this so that I can go and speak to women all around the country, I hope, which I've already been doing, um, to really say this is avoidable. I really believe that with some education and uh, some storytelling that I can help girls navigate this and really avoid it really just know it's just not a good way to go I always say okay who raise raise your hand if you use a map and of course lots of people raise your hand I say okay who uses ways you know we all use that ways yeah absolutely all of our hands go up well why do we use ways instead of a map 
because it tells us what's going on ahead that we can't see, right? It tells you about a wreck that happens 10 miles up or tells you some um, shortcuts to take. I'm giving people a shortcut. I'm giving them a road that I'm saying, avoid this and come over this way. So, and I'll tell you, I have been so just happy when I get these letters or texts from girls. And I really have that say, this worked, this book helped. Now I'm seeing that I don't have to live that way, that it is, it's really an addiction. It's addictive behavior that if you're willing to lay it down and realize it is not anything but chains imprisoning you, if you're willing to lay that down, you can live a life that's free of that. I always say the opposite of anorexia is not fat. The opposite, it's free. Yeah. I live a life free of this. And I never thought it could happen when I was in treatment and all the doctors talked about when I would get better and when all this, I thought they actually think I'll live someday where this isn't a part of my life. I never thought it was possible. So if it can happen to me, if I can live outside of those prison walls, anyone can. I mean, what an inspiration, right? Um, thank you for sharing that. And um, first of all, I don't think there's anything you can't do. Um, and I know there are some things coming up, right? There may be a podcast and a cookbook. Um, so what's on the horizon for Caroline Cook? Well, yes, after I wrap up this beautiful antiques and garden show, I will get back <laughs> in the driver's seat of this. Um, yeah, I have my daughters and I have talked very seriously about coming up with a college girl cookbook which I would say is in the works uh, loosely. And then I'm on the board of a uh, recovery center here in Nashville for women and talks of a podcast about uh, well women, wellness and women and recovery stories. Something that we've, we are talking about. I'm, I'm just excited. I, I may write something. I may write another book. Um, I love girls. I love the topic of living free of addictive just just anything that would really pull us down. I think our lives are powerful. And if your heart is beating, then you are supposed to be here. So let's figure out what that is supposed to be. Um, I love people and I love encouraging them to go, go big, dream big. I just think you are an inspiration. So positive. Um, and I think this idea of encouraging women to share their stories, um, to your earlier point, disordered eating is, is often lonely, um, mm -hmm. and women offer often suffer in isolation. And I think when, when women who are suffering, see that there are others like them, I think that's when healing, um, and even that possibility, right, can emerge that there could be life beyond what they're struggling with. So thank you for modeling that, for talking about it, um, and for for writing this book. And I mean, all the great things you're going to do, you know, as we're as you're moving forward here. How can we follow you? How can we find your book? Um, how can we keep up with you and all the good things coming? Well, I've got lots of ways to do that. So I am on Instagram, Caroline B. Cook. And then I have a website, uh, Caroline B. Cook as well. My uh, This book, Hungry, is on Amazon. Wonderful. And I 
love for you to order it on Amazon. I also read it on Audible. So if you're more of a listener, yeah. that is that's fun to do. And I would love for anyone to write a review about it. Um, yeah, I just, I think you're going to find me. If you look at all, if you type in Caroline B. Cook, you will find me. And um, I would just love for people to come alongside and let's just keep up the good work with spreading the good news. Awesome. Th- thank you, Caroline B. Cook. We are so thrilled for you and, and grateful that you're sharing your story and your message. I can't wait to read your book uh, personally and and follow you on your journey of greatness. There are just big things coming um, and I'm going to be paying attention uh, to the outcomes of the Antiques and Garden Show. So best of luck. Um, Again, February is National Eating Disorders Awareness Month. So learn more about Caroline B. Cook and about Tri-Delta's transformational programming around body image and self-esteem how we as Tri-Delta are investing in women around this exact topic. Um, You can find that information on tridelta.org under the foundation tab. Um, Look for transformational programming. And as always, we hope you'll like, subscribe, and rate our podcast. We love five-star ratings at Let's Talk Tri-Delta. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time, Delta love.